Hello, everybody, and welcome to Level the Field Leadership. My name is Dr. Rachel Gallardo, and I am very happy that you have decided to join me for this very important episode on situational leadership. So um, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give you tools, to give you resources, to help you level the field with some of the challenges that you may encounter in the work environment. Um, my hope is that you will use this to help you be the most effective, to really and truly be there for your team. I do believe that workplace burnout is very real. So anything we can do to reduce burnout and fatigue in our leadership roles will ultimately have a positive impact on our team, but then also will have a positive impact on us. If this is not your first episode, then I greatly appreciate you coming back. Obviously, you must enjoy the content. So um, share it with other people, share it with other leaders, no matter how long somebody's in a leadership role. There's always, always, always something that we can learn. Um, the work environment is not the same as it was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So there's always a way that we can grow. You know, leadership really and truly is a journey. And I don't feel as though we have to do this alone. So for our topic for today, there are three things that I want for you to think about. When we talk about this idea of situational leadership, Number one, how do you continually assess the pulse of your team? So how do you look at what they need? How do you notice changes in behavior? How do you um, understand maybe what they might be going through with a, a particular situation or where they might be at in their life? How do you, what do you do to, to really and truly assess each of your team members? Number two, how do you know when you need to shift your leadership style? And we're going to talk about different leadership styles here in just a little bit, but do you, do you know, like, is there, is there a certain feeling that you have? Is there a certain dynamic that occurs? How do you know when you need to shift? And then number three, how can you increase your courage to actually shift? So we might recognize, Hey, you know, this is going on with my team member and I know that I need to do something differently, but then actually having the courage to do those things differently that that's what we got to make sure that we have in our tool belt. So that way we can be the most effective. And as many of you know, I do like to base our topics around certain scriptures. So our scripture for today, that was kind of a, a beacon more or less for kind of developing all of these different ideas and, and pulling all of this research is Colossians four, five through six. So be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And this, this passage really, truly speaks to situational leadership. How do we change? How do we approach? How do we assess what is really, truly going on? So that way we can really and truly, again, seasoned with salt, know how to address no matter what the situation is or, or what might be happening. So I've, I've said situational leadership. I can't even count how many times so far. And we, you know, we're not even halfway through the, the first, this episode. So what in the world is situational leadership? So if you look at the IO professionals and all the, the leading industry individuals um, that, that talk about leadership, that research leadership, this particular theory says that leaders adapt their style of leadership to fit both the situation and the followers. So this is not 
you know, you being on an emotional roller coaster where your employees don't know what type of person they're getting on a day-to-day basis. This is not you as the leader changing the goals. Um, you know, we're going to do this this week. And then next week we've got a different goal. And then the week after that, we have a different goal. So you're not, you're not easily rattled as far as your emotions or what the goal and the purposes is of your team. And also situational leadership is not you changing expectations. So as a leader, we should still be holding people accountable. We should still be setting um, guidelines. We should still have boundaries. We should still have parameters about what we expect. And situational leadership is not you changing any of those items, okay? This theory is also very different in that we're not talking about you being authoritarian versus a democratic leader versus a servant leader, right? So an authoritarian type leader are your people that are more or less dictators, you know, those people that's that, you know, do what I tell you to do because I have the job title and you have to listen to me. That that's authoritarian. That's not what we're talking about. Um, democratic leadership, that is more where you're constantly getting the feedback and buy-in from other people and everybody kind of has an equal voice as far as what we're, we're doing and how we're moving forward. That's not situational leadership. Servant leaders, these are individuals that are constantly looking to serve the individual. And while I'm a huge fan of servant leadership, we have to be really careful in that as leaders, we also have to look out for the organization, not just the employee. And sometimes if somebody is too invested in servant leadership, then they can look out too much for the employee. And that can oftentimes hurt the team or hurt the organization as a whole, just kind of depending on the organization that you work in. So when we talk about situational leadership, it's different from those other authoritarian democratic servant leadership type roles. Okay. So research from a 1974 article, and I know that that's old and, um, you know, well, I don't want to say old, but it's seasoned more or less um, from House and Mitchell. It does state that to be effective, four primary assessments should occur. And there's additional research that supports what House and Mitchell originally established. So that's why I wanted to go with this particular research article, even though it is older than some uh, research that maybe just came out in the last few years. So those four primary assessments that should be occurring is that leaders should recognize the needs of their employees and work to satisfy those needs. So an effective leader understands what their employee needs and they do what is within their ability to do to help the individual. Now, I'm a firm believer that people do have to help themselves. So if you ask your employee, hey, what is it that I can do for you? I can see that you're really stressed out. How can I help you? And they say, you know what, Rachel, don't worry about it. I got it. Then we as leaders have to trust that our employee, if they say that they've got it, that they've got it. Okay. So if part of my responsibility to satisfy the needs of somebody else is to just leave them alone, let them do their work. Um, I personally worked for a micromanager in my younger years when I was still working in corporate America. It was awful. Oh my gosh. It was so bad. It was just, it was so bad. So I have a real spidey sense, more or less. If somebody tells me, no, I don't need you to do anything. I can handle it. Then I really try to consciously step back because I don't want to be the micromanager that I hated all those years ago. Okay. So that's one thing that we need to be effective. The second thing that we need to be effective leaders is that we need to reward employees when they reach their goals. So 
part of being able to reward people effectively is knowing who they are, knowing how they want to be rewarded. I've talked about in previous episodes, you know, the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. An extrovert, most likely, again, statistically speaking, we're not trying to apply absolutes here, but extroverts, you know, whenever they do something great, mention it in the team meeting, you know, send out that, that, you know, department email, let everybody know they probably wouldn't mind having like, let's have a lunch and your birthday cake or, or cake of some sort and just kind of acknowledge this particular person. Woohoo, you did a great job, extroverted employee. But if you do that for an introverted employee, they probably are not going to be as successful in the future. They are probably going to do just enough to do what they need to do, but not necessarily go above and beyond because they don't want all of that external attention. If you have an introverted employee that meets their goals, you are better off just simply giving them a card saying, you know what, I'm, I'm super proud that you met this goal. I'm really thankful that you're a part of this team. I'm really, you know, you inspire me because of your passion and your dedication for being a really great employee. Man, you are going to reach them so much more than if you bring them up on stage in front of a group of people. So reward employees, but reward them in a manner that they want to be rewarded when those individuals reach their goals. Okay. So how can we be effective? I've told, given you the first two. Number one, we're going to recognize the needs of our employees and we're going to work to satisfy those needs. Number two, we're going to reward people whenever they reach their goals. Number three, we need to help employees identify the best path to take whenever they do want to set another goal. So you have an employee on your team, they've met a certain goal. Now what's the next goal? What's the next thing that, that they want to accomplish? What's the next area for competency development? How can we you know, really pick and choose the best path to help that individual reach a certain goal? Okay. And then the final thing is clear the path so that people can actually do it. If you're a leader that's saying, yes, I want to help you develop in a certain competency, but yet you keep piling on additional work or you don't give them any sort of resources to help them develop in that competency, you're not, you're not helping them. You're, if anything, you are putting them in a survival mode instead of a thriving mode because they're not able to focus on the goals that you and the other and, and that employee have established. So notice how with all of these things, none of them says that we as the employee, we as a leader need to do the work for the employee. None of these items are, you know, micromanage the heck out of the employee and meet with them every single day to make sure that they're doing their job. There's nothing in here that talks about belittling an employee. There's nothing that says, oh, we need to create a policy to have more structure. And we no, 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 no. It's very simple knowing who your people are, knowing what their goals are, helping them and giving them the tools necessary to reach those goals, and then rewarding them whenever they finally do. It's actually very, very basic. The problem is we get too wrapped up in the meetings and the to-do lists and the returning the emails and the, the operation budget. And, you know, I got this staff meeting and, and we get too caught into the woods that we don't take a look at the entire forest. We're too focused on the trees. We miss the entire forest. Okay. So let's talk about the different types of leadership. So here we go into the really, the nitty gritty of situational leadership. So that way you can do these four things to be the most effective leader. Okay. 
So we're going to talk about four different types of leadership. First and foremost, we have the, it's called the instrumental style. Okay. So the instrumental leadership style is when the leader plans and organizes the activities of employees, particularly this can be more so in a season of crisis because the leader has to really step in. Um, there's certain tasks that have to be accomplished. There might be certain regulatory issues that have to be covered. Um, you might have some state or federal laws that you as the leader need to make sure that your team is complying with. A perfect example of this is during COVID, leaders really truly had to move quickly. So we had to put a lot of, you know, competency development and workplace culture. Like we had to put some of that stuff kind of on the back burner because we simply just needed to get, you know, laptops to employees, internet to employees. We needed to figure out our schedule. We needed to make sure that families were okay. Um, so how, how we respond in times of crisis can be very, very different. It's very, it's very instrumental. Um, another time that you may have to use this type of leadership style is if your organization is moving to a new office building. So you may have to provide direction and guidance for how those things will happen or at least oversee the people who are leading those different initiatives. If you're a part of any sort of um, merger or acquisition, then there needs to be um, you know, a, a strategy plan that needs to be clearly communicated with how the, the acquisition is going to occur, who's going to be in charge of what. And I can't stress enough that if you are a leader that's in that situation, over and above communicate goals and decisions. And just whenever you think that you've communicated it enough, say it one more time in a different way, just to make sure that you are really and truly communicating and you're keeping people informed with what is going on. Okay. I, and and I, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but when it comes to instrumental style of leadership, the most important competency with this leadership style is your ability to communicate. Okay. So that's, that's one that that's an instrumental style. And that hopefully is just for a particular season. Um, if you are doing this for too long, then you may start to be perceived as more of that autocratic leader where you're just kind of dictating to tell people what to do. But there are certain events that happen within an organization and a natural process to a company where you may have to be the instrumental leader that guides and directs next steps and processes of what's going to occur. Okay. The second type of leadership that I want for us to think about is the supportive style of leadership. Okay. And just as the name implies, this leadership style is when leaders show concern and care for their employees. So I strongly recommend that you 100% shift to this style if you know your employee is struggling with something at home. Maybe there's some health concerns. Maybe they're, they're having issues with their child at school. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe their mom was just diagnosed with, with Alzheimer's. So this is a, a situation that leaders should not necessarily be quick to offer suggestions or solutions. Many times employees just want to talk to you to kind of let you know what is going on. And as a leader, it can be really important that whenever they come to you and they lay all of these things out, you can 100% say, is there something I can do? Or do you just want me to listen? And your employees are going to tell you, actually, yeah, there is something that you can do. You know, I'm looking at taking FMLA. Can you kind of walk me through that? Um, you don't want to necessarily offer up any suggestions or advice because that's going to look like you're overstepping. And oftentimes, if you start throwing out recommendations 
it's going to make you look overbearing. It could make you look judgmental. It could make you look bossy, you know, and, and remember too, whenever somebody is telling you something that is going on, you're only getting it from their side of the story. So the best thing that you can do, the most important competency with this particular leadership style is your ability to listen. So we've got communicate whenever we're looking at the instrumental style, but then we also have listening as far as the supportive style. And then, you know, after that employee comes to you and they, they tell you those things, it's okay for you to circle back a week, you know, 10 days, two weeks after the fact and say, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I've, I've been thinking about those things that you told me, you know, I just want to see how everything is going. If you ever need anything, you know, I'm here for you. Please don't hesitate to reach out. You know, don't, don't make it one and done. It's okay for you to circle back and, and let that person know that you are thinking about them. Um, make sure you let them know, like, look, Hey, I'm not trying to pry. Cause you know, you'll share with me, whatever you want to share with me. But I, I, I am concerned about you as an individual, as a human being. And so if you do need something, let me know. That's how you show support to your team. That's how you let them know that you care about them and that you, you really and truly um, want what is best for them. And whatever it is that they might be struggling with for you to, to hope for a positive outcome and that, that you're their cheerleader, you know, that, that you're in their corner. All right. So we got the instrumental style. We've got the supportive style. The third type I want to talk about for just a minute is the participative style. So this is the leadership style in which the leader really and truly brings everybody together to participate in certain decisions. A quick question. When was the last time that you and your team had a brainstorming session? When was the last time that all of you got together and just threw out ideas or you brought something to the meeting and said, look, you know, I, we have this particular issue going on. Let's spend the next 10 minutes or so just kind of talking about it and figuring out if there's something that we could do differently. You don't need to have this huge offsite, you know, travel to another state, be in log cabins, which if you can do that, that's awesome. But I think sometimes we think that brainstorming sessions have to be this big, dramatic thing with sticky notes all over certain pieces of paper and 10 or 15 minutes just talking about an issue can actually go a really long way. Now, I will say from a competency perspective, this leadership style requires you to put your ego aside. This is also another leadership style where you have to be comfortable doing more listening than talking. Remember, we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. And when you throw this out there, whenever you're asking for people to give their feedback to if you're really and truly trying to be inclusive and, and get other people to, to talk about a certain issue that maybe you aren't comfortable speaking up previously, you may have to be comfortable with silence. So in my role as an instructor, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable with silence. I can't even tell you how many times I've th thrown a question out to the classroom and we've all just kind of sat there for about a minute or so. And in my head, I count to 30 after I ask that question. And if after 30 seconds, I just look at everybody and I say, I'm comfortable with silence. So we can just sit here until somebody answers. And inevitably, usually the extroverts, they're going to speak up and kind of get the ball rolling. Okay. But as a leader, if you're the one that's constantly coming up with solutions, that's not a participatory, a participant. This word is hard. A participative style of leadership. And it could even be helpful for you to literally go around the table and say, okay, John, okay, Billy, okay, Ashley, okay, Michelle, okay. And like, 
and literally call people to ask for them to give perspectives on things. Okay. And then our final style of leadership or situational leadership substyle, I should say, is your achievement oriented style. So whenever we talk about the achievement oriented style, this leadership style is when the leader sets challenging goals and rewards achievements. Okay. And this could be two different parts. So this could be strictly for business operations need, or it could be for professional development of your employee. So remember our article from 1974, how it talked about the importance of setting goals and rewarding employees. This is where that style of leadership really and truly comes into play. Okay. So from a business perspective, it could be, you know, Hey, everybody, you know, the quarterly reports came out and I'm seeing some sort of lag and, um, you know, we need to make sure that we're reaching X amounts, um, each quarter. What are some different ways that we can do that? So notice how with just with that particular statement, not only have I been the achievement oriented style leader, but then I've also been the participative style leader as well. So you're, you're telling everybody, hey, we need, to, we need to figure out a way to re reach certain goals. Okay, how do we do that? So you're, you're walking both of those. This is not, these are not cookie cutter leadership styles. They often will kind of blend and, and just kind of merge with each other. And you could very well be all four of these different styles in one day, right? Depending upon what you're presented with and, and what, what it is that your team needs, you may have to modify who you are just a little bit and be this different situational leader, depending upon what you encounter. Okay. It could also be the fact that you, um, with achievement oriented style, that you are the cheerleader. So maybe you just need to be the motivator. Maybe you just need to be the inspiration. Um, employees are going to lose their motivation and the leader is really and truly in a powerful position where they can help the team find that motivation, or you can really stifle their motivation at the same time as well. When you go to reward people, make sure that the reward matches the goal and make sure that, you know, you're not tone deaf to what it is that your employees want. So if you know that you have a team full of vegans, you know, telling them, hey, I'm going to give everybody a steak dinner once we meet certain, certain percentages that no, your vegans are not going to be motivated for a steak dinner, right? So really and truly know your team, know what's going to keep them motivated and oftentimes you can keep them motivated by simply setting the example yourself. You know, you can't, you can't tell other people to be motivated to, to stay and work an additional 30 minutes on a particular project if you're heading out the door, you know, two hours early. So in a lot of ways, you can really and truly be the example. The words that you say matter, the, the, how you respond to certain situations. You, you are in a key position to really um, motivate and encourage your team or to really bring them down. And that is what determines if you're using this achievement oriented style of leadership. Now, from a personal perspective, again, just being that cheerleader of, you know, I know that you're going through some challenging things right now, but I know that things are going to work out or, Hey, you know, I know that you just moved into your house and you probably have some things that you need to take care of as far as, you know, the utilities, or maybe just finish unpacking or whatever. Why don't you just go ahead and take, you know, Friday off, that way you can get all of those stuff taken care of while the kids are at school. And, you know, let, let's, let's just do that. And, you know, you and I can touch base about this next week. Okay. That can really and truly be a reward if somebody meets a certain goal or, or they've, they've, they've established some sort of competency. 
Um, make sure that you're, you know that if your employee wants to move up the ladder within your organization or if they're content with where they're at, and just because they, they might be content with where they're at, that doesn't mean the person doesn't want to grow. Because if you don't continue to challenge them and continue to nurture them, then people are going to get stagnant. And actually the stagnation and feeling like you're stuck can cause people to have severe burnout within their roles. Okay. So if you've got people that are wanting to move up the ladder, okay, great. But be sure that you're rewarding those individuals that are content with their status quo as well. All right. So I just gave you four different situational leadership types. You've got the instrumental style, you've got the supportive style, the participative style, and the achievement-oriented style. And again, depending upon what you encounter throughout your day, you may have to be all four of these multiple times throughout the day. It just depends on what happens, okay? But if you as a leader can understand your team, can really make sure that you are engaging with your employees, then you'll know what type of leader that you need to be for your team, okay? Leadership can be really, really challenging. And I don't want for anybody to think that they have to be a statue with the leadership style. So just because you are a certain way overall, that doesn't mean that you can't have these small modifications that come up from time to time, okay? Seek feedback, reflect, and debrief whenever situations occur. Take some time to really think about, you know, in that last meeting, so-and-so made a comment. I wonder if that means X, Y, Z. Do I need to have a conversation with that person? Um, and I'm not saying to, to overthink it, but just be mindful and, and intuitive and engaged with what's going on. Only then can you really truly use situational leadership to help you be the most effective. So if you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button again, share it with your friends, share it with your dog, share it with your mom, whoever. Um, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Play, and Amazon. Anybody can be a leader. It doesn't take a certain title. It doesn't take a certain position. It's not a certain industry. Um, leadership really and truly can be challenging, but I really believe that anybody has the ability to be a leader. Also, feel free to follow me on Instagram. I'm at Level of Field Leadership. I do try to post positive and consistent content related to leadership development, so that way you can you know, pull that out and use that as part of your tool belt for effective development. Um, and remember, you are made to be a leader right where you are, wherever you are leading. Take care of yourself. Take care of your team. You can 1,000% do this. And until next time.